Welcome to this episode of The Authentic Advisor, which discusses and debates the hot topics impacting business advisors globally. Uh, my name's James Mason. It's great to be joined today by Quinton Whitehead, who's the Manager of Business Improvement at AG Coombs, uh, founded almost 80 years ago in Australia and, and, and as Australia's leading specialist provider of biz, building services. Uh, today, Quinton's going to talk to us about successfully driving continuous improvement, leveraging Mindshop tools internally um, within uh, the business. So uh, again, we've got a lot to cover. So thanks for joining me, Quinton. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the opportunity to be involved. Thanks, James. Yeah, no, I've been, uh, as I said to you earlier, looking forward to having a chat to you. And I know you're doing such great work within Coombs and, um, you know, over the journey and not only the work you're doing, but leveraging Mindshop tools into what you're doing. So I, I thought, you know, hearing from that side of the fence would be a good place to start and, and you know, just getting into understanding a bit more of um, your background and your role at uh, AG Coombs and I guess a bit about Coombs itself. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, cover off a few of those details uh, to start off with. Um, I'll be able to share this with my family and kids and others afterwards who always go, what do you, what do, you do again? So, um, <laughs> sound, um, sound, sound like my family. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, the role manager for business improvement, I sometimes describe it a little bit as I act as a, a bit of an internal consultant across AG Coombs. Um, I've worked here for uh, nine years and I get the opportunity to be involved with um, facilitation, um, strategy, uh, supporting people across our entire business, certainly lots of training, uh, coaching, things along those lines as well. Um, Coombs, as you say, is nearly 80 years strong now, so been around for a very long time. Um, yeah, uh, building services, the AG Coombs group of companies is made up of a number of different entities that are spread out across Australia, uh, over a thousand people now. So there's always lots happening and lots to do. And it's great as part of my role uh, that I get to touch people in different areas there. Um, I should also mention as well as part of my role, I previously worked in my quality management at Coombs, a lot of process management, process improvement but recently uh, taken over leadership of our procurement logistics function. Um, okay. So that's great as well. I get to actually apply a lot of the mind shop tools and continuous improvement thinking uh, with people that are directly report to me and, and you know, work in my team. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a feel for some of the things I'm involved with. Yeah, yeah. No, you certainly see seeing a lot, I'm sure, and uh, seen a lot over the journey. And, and that's why I thought it'd be interesting from your perspective, what are you seeing some of the key challenges are in driving change and continuous improvement, especially in a business like Coombs with a thousand odd, odd staff. Yeah, and not, not unique to, to our business, but certainly the, the fact of um, lots of people, diverse companies, different departments, all, all those type of things means that um, when change needs to happen uh, around the business that, yeah, there can be times where we're too slow to be able to get things pushed through or too many people involved or there's too many things to that, that just need to be done. Um, yeah, that, that's always one of the biggest challenges I find in terms of driving change is just the, the, the quantum of it. Um, yeah, and, and do you, how do you, I mean, if you, I assume you, you've gone through formal training with, with obviously us and other things around how you manage that change, but if you've sort of found any ways that you're actually addressing some of those areas of change? Yeah, uh, a couple of the biggest things um, that we've evolved to uh, over recent years is um, a deliberate introduction around agile, agile techniques, agile tools, agile thinking, um, which has been great and, and it's been driven into our business by having 
badged agile work groups when there's a, a significant problem in the business that maybe covers or significant opportunity as well in the business that covers um, a number of different areas. Well, then let's use an, an agile approach with an agile work group to help drive that change. Uh, we've also introduced uh, objectives and key results, OKRs, uh, in the mm -hmm. last few years, yeah, just around our um, you know, executing on our strategy, um, being able to align people across the business. Um, and, and one of the biggest things with bringing in Agile and bringing in OKRs is it's really complemented a lot of what we already do and do well in, I guess, the business improvement space, you know, weaves in with a lot of the mind shop tools and other things as well. Yeah, and is that uh, supported by obviously you know doing education of people, but using any technology to support that as as well? Um, you know, do, do people sort of log their OKRs into a into a system, or how, how you're sort of managing that side of things? Yeah, uh, the, the technology is a big part amongst all that, and like any of these, you, you can't have a one size fits all, and you've got to be able to cater for different needs and different people. I'm sure that most companies that started with OKRs, we started with spreadsheets and emails and things. Um, we've now got a dedicated platform that we use, one that uh, will fit our needs, which is BetterWorks, and that's been a bit of a game changer in helping us to manage that. And just the same as with um, um, Agile, I know as we introduced Scrum Walls, uh, the, the first Scrum Wall for the first Agile work group was the post-it notes on the wall. They all fell off. Um, so <laughs> the next defeats the group, purpose a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for the next uh, group, we found uh, Microsoft Planner within Teams, and now that's a really common tool, not just in our Agile work groups. Um, a number of people around our business actually use that as part of their day-to-day -day managing uh, their tasks and, and change that they're driving in the business. And I guess in your role, how are you managing change fatigue? Um, with You mentioned earlier lots and lots of projects and so many different things that are changing. Um, have you found that a big issue? Yeah. Um, the, one of the core values from AJ Coombs' point of view, uh, from AJ Coombs is uh, continuous improvement. So it is built into the way that we do things. Um, but certainly a big one around ideas are relatively easy. Execution is everything. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all well and good to launch that new project or say we're going to build that new software or do that different thing for our customer. Um, but it's actually getting the outcome from it. Um, so I guess dealing with the fatigue, some of that is uh, around just being as ruthless as possible about well, what we do commit to. Mm -hmm. There's no, no point starting a lot of different things and, and having a, a bunch of half-built cars that don't really add any value. Mm. Um, and I've also found there's just that celebrating the wins, celebrating successes. It, it's human nature that we're always looking forward to, uh, like looking ahead at the things that we haven't done or the things we haven't achieved. So just through, um, you know, partly through the, the framework of OKRs and Agile, it gives more opportunities to stop and reflect, uh, to debrief, and as part of that, actually celebrate, oh, look how far we've come. Yeah, okay. No knowing the culture of the place is so good, it sounds like it's ingrained into, as you said, a continuous improvement core value. And, and so people sort of embracing that. And I'm sure lots of honest conversations happen across the group if, if things are moving a little bit too quick or a little bit too slow to achieve achieve the goals and, and the like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so how have you, you mentioned the MindShop tools, how are you embracing a lot of the tools and process into the business over the years? And, and what are some of the benefits you've found? Um, yeah, oh, look, absolutely ingrained in our business, um, long-standing connection between AG Coombs and Mind Shop with 
Chris, um, uh, Michael Burke, back back to the nineties with some of our senior people that are still in our business now. So it's almost a little bit of a given around our business that we talk talk the language and we use the tools. Um, in saying that, though, like with a, a thousand people um, and new people coming on all the time. Um, that, that's where the training and education, certainly the, the senior leadership support. Um, the fact of the matter is our managing director, uh, Russell Telford, he uses MindMap. He'll ask the magic wand question. He'll, he actually uses the tools. So that's certainly a good way to ensure that it's being embraced and trickling down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, should, I mean, I'll say as well that, I mean, beyond just the training, it's the practical application. Like we can think about these great tools that are sitting on our in our tool belt that we can pull out, but if we actually don't apply them, then what's the point? So um, I know, I mean, I share this example sometimes uh, around the business of um, one of our uh, service technicians that works out in the field was going through some internal training to make sure that we're embracing and learning the tools. And we had a conversation after one of our sessions where he talked about uh, we've got this uh, consultative forum that we do internally, monthly meeting, and we're probably just not being anywhere near as effective as what we could be. Um, seemed a little bit of come in, read the minutes from the last meeting, and then <laughs> that's about all that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a chat about that and sort of long story short, what we end up doing is saying, well, why don't we start the next meeting with the magic wand question? If you had mm-hmm. a magic wand and could do anything you wanted with this uh, consultative committee, what would you do? And what we're able to do, of course, is create the environment for the service technicians, the contract managers, the senior managers who are all in this uh, committee together to actually have a really good open conversation and get a better understanding of maybe what's not working and how we can do it better in future. Yeah, and you, you often find that, don't you, that it's not the most complex stuff you need. People obviously, you know, sometimes assume the bigger the business, the more complex the issues. And, you know, sometimes that is the case, but that you need you know, very complex solutions to it. But it is often using simple frameworks, simple tools, you know, one-page plan, you know, vision mapping, change success, force fields, all, all the core sort of tools, if you like, to to just work people through that. And even if they're philosophically using them in the business, um, having that alignment across everybody, I guess, gets people thinking the same way. They're thinking now where, how, and they're, they're sort of working through things that way, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. It's, it's, the, it's the structure for the thinking. It's the... We're letting the tools do the heavy lifting there that maybe just people don't quite know the right way to approach that conversation or to be able to say that thing that they want to say. Well, mm. why don't we run a now our session and that'll certainly flush it out. Yeah. Yeah. And you've obviously worked with a lot of great advisors over the journey, but now that you've sort of embraced the tools, I believe that you're doing a fair bit of the training internally on a regular basis to educate more and more across the firm in, in the Mindshop way and the Mindshop approach to, to driving strategy and problem solving. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I love it. That's a part of the role that um, I've embraced and, and take every opportunity to do. Uh, it makes it so much easier uh, when you practice what you preach. <laughs> um, and I'm able to share examples like that where I've been able to use it uh, myself. Um, and like anything, um, teaching others is one of the best ways to learn yourself. So I found that's how I've been able to, um, I guess, enhance my skills around which tools there are, how best to use them, when to apply them. So building on that and thinking of change as a whole, you, you know, you're obviously in a constant state of change. Is there any particular initiative that, you know, you've rolled out recently that's gone really successfully and, and you know, that stands out to you and why is that the case? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, certainly. Um, 
Well, the actual introduction of OKRs as a methodology in itself is is only three or four years old. Um, And from that instance, it was, uh, I guess, the approach of let's get in and give it a go and build from there. Mm -hmm. So that was part of the beauty of uh, um, being directly involved in overseeing a procurement team. Well, we recognised that uh, we weren't clear on our goals or clear on how we're achieving them. And it was actually, I don't know if I've told you this before, but it was actually through the um, mind shop, uh, like message board online. I, I put a message up there saying, hey, you know, these are some of the issues I'm facing. Has anyone got any recommendations? And someone did post around OKRs, which I'd heard of and I, I mm. was you know, relatively familiar or to a certain extent I, I was familiar with, but hadn't actually applied them before. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the introduction of that, we started in procurement and then we expanded from there. And, yes, we're still learning and improving, but uh, that's that's become part of our continuous improvement languages, our OKRs and, and delivering strategy that way. Yeah, and I th- you, you touched on a good point there. You, it's not over complicating it at the start, isn't it? It's just, mm-hmm. okay, this is a new concept. We've got our L plates on, as I think Mike Burke says, a lot. Um, let's just get in there, roll up our sleeves, start with a small group, almost that minimum viable product thinking yeah. of when you're rolling these things out, let's just start with the simple stuff, start with a certain area, iron out the bugs in it, and then just build build from there. Yeah, and that's it. We started. I've still got a copy of the first lot of OKRs we did, and I had seven of them under my name and soon learned that, hang on, <laughs> doesn't should work that way. There's too many. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's certainly one. Um, uh, last year, we did a big exercise around leveraging our subcontractor network across our national business. And it was one I led the work group. We had probably 10 people. It was lots of key stakeholders around our business, as well as the stakeholders of our contractors and our clients. Um, and it is certainly one I can reflect on and go using the tools, going about it in an agile way, but also, I don't know, let's just get all the, the brain dump of via a mind map or um, we did a force field analysis as part of it as well that when I reflect back on it, this big, huge elephant that we needed to eat uh, when we started it, we're, we're now we're in a world where we've got tangible outcomes that are adding value to the business. Hmm. So, yeah, oh, you've, like, different examples. Yeah, and you sound as though you've had you know good leadership support all the way through, which I typically see in a lot of other projects are, is critical to the success um, that people are happy for you to take the time and experiment and try some things and things will fail occasionally and you try some different things. Uh, I guess that's in- indicative of, again, the culture that you see within Coombs. Yeah. And well, and actually, I'll share one other one, and this is outside of um, Coombs. Um, last year I was involved with a student leadership network, uh, which was around mentoring year 10, year 11 students that wanted to get involved with community projects. So mm-hmm. I just came through this through a contact and said, yeah, I'd love to help if I can. So um, went down to the school and met up with a, a year 11 student and it was the, the oh, was some weird dude walking into the school he'd never met before and struggling to even make eye contact and get a, any conversation going at first. But we got into it and started talking about well, what's the project you're thinking of and, and this um, young person had given it a lot of thought and it was a pretty heavy convers- uh, like topic as well. And there was that moment of like, oh, okay, all right, how are we going to go about this? And then the conversation started getting into, well, where are we at now with that? What do you know? And where do you want to be? And how do you think you get there? Which then led into maybe we need to Pareto this and (laughs) using the tools and to work with uh, with that student over a number of sessions during the course of last year and then see them present that in front of their peers and their teacher and everything. It was just the magic of the tools at work. 
Yeah, fantastic. Oh, and it's a credit to you've you've absorbed them in as part of your authentic approach as mm. well, which I think then permeates through not only the business, as you said, then then in these other examples yeah. as, as well. Um, and I know over the journey you've had a blend of ways that you've learnt a lot of mindset methodologies and um, through you know, online training and face-to-face workshops and webinars and other things. But what are you finding internally? I know this is a challenge many businesses face of you know, busy people, some you know, work from home, some out on site, um, geographically dispersed. Are you finding certain blends of learning that are helping get cut through in, uh, in, in trying to educate people at the moment? Yeah, look, there's certainly that thing of in the end, nothing ever beats face-to-face um, yeah, for all the reasons that people know. Uh, we did certainly during some of the pandemic and lockdowns and things, we tried to force a little bit of the training and workshops onto online and some of that worked fine, but then some of it was a bit of a shocker, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of stuff that we can do online, like what you and I are doing right now, uh, which works fine, I think. Um, so, yeah, certainly with... Um, some of the workshops we run, definitely with some of the training that we run, just being in the room together, getting that energy, being able to hear that conversation going between a pair of people here and jumping over to help them out. We just we, we try to make that work wherever we can. Um, but, I, I mean, certainly I, I'd also say um, video has been one that uh, we've embraced and that's a little bit from inspiration from um, mind shop. I, I know that when I was learning a lot of the tools, even now, I'll go back to the library and, and go and watch some of the videos. So we've done some of that internally as well, where here's the management tip of the month, here's the tool of the month, or just something that's a bit of a hot topic. Uh, early doors of that, we're trying to do a, a really slick sort of edited, um, yeah, just thought well, it should be really good quality. Uh, I, I do remember when um, lockdowns were on and the kids were getting taught by their teachers over videos and things and I looked and went well some of it's a little bit agricultural but Jesus authentic and it works well mm-hmm. and it's engaging so yeah not to say I stand there in my board shorts or something like that <laughs> like, we've just made it simple some of them are just recording a team's meeting and then putting that out there because that's the content's what people find valuable yeah that, that's right um so you so really what you're saying is face-to-face is still the preference um where, where you can and I guess geographically you then doing what's required if, if people can't get to, to face-to-face. Yeah, that's it. There's, there's uh, prioritise face-to-face uh, where where it should be face-to-face and, and try to make it work, but understanding that yeah, there's certainly other methods that um, can work as well. Yeah. And so what do you see going forward as some of the shifts in change and continuous improvement uh, that you think will have a big impact on business? Um. Yeah, look, I guess everyone's talking AI uh, this year for, for obvious reasons and, um, yeah, it has been pretty incredible chat GPT and other generative AI coming out, what, what it can do. Um, I know we're bringing that back from a continuous improvement point of view on that thing of uh, head versus heart. Um, so what do you mean by that? The- well... I know like with decision-making and how much do you rely on the head, like how much do you rely on facts and, and data and, and data mm-hmm. and you know, AI can play such a huge part in that. But then the heart thing of, well, how much do you rely on gut feel and experience and just that human thing that's probably hard to replicate in that, uh, from an AI point of view. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something everybody's grappling with of okay let's integrate it but how much you get you know obviously can interpret a lot of the data but you've got to have good data to 
to start with. Um, but are you seeing any sort of other methodologies coming through in the change space or you're finding, I mean, obviously, you know, Agile, Scrum, uh, but much else that you're seeing popping up or is it pretty much it's more people looking for mastery of things that are already out there? Yeah, uh, look, I'm starting to get to that age where I've been around for a little while and it, it is the tried and true with a lot of things, but it, then it's about how you apply it. Mm. Um uh, Agile isn't anything brand new that's been around since 90s, early 2000s, but it's probably only really getting properly embraced and and more of a common thing, not just a niche thing in the last five to ten years. Um, I, I don't know. I just uh, I, I often come back to the, the VUCA model, like that the only thing we can be sure of is the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, that, that, that's mm. the main thing. So whatever tools you're using, whether they're tried and true, whether it's new methodologies, the, the fact is as long as they can cater for that things are going to change. Yeah, and it's a good point because you do see, you know, I think just people are always looking for the latest, you know, book, the latest methodology, yeah. the, you know, whatever's coming over the hill next. And But you are finding a lot more people. Yeah, obviously the market's changing and that's, as you said, always in a state of flux. But it's almost like people are going back to things that have always just tried and true the foundations and pillars that that just work um, rather than having to find things that are you're going to be the latest uh, flavor of the month because often they're just a, a a bit of a spin on something that's been around for 20 odd odd years um so you know mastery rather than just being the you know across 15 to 20 different things is probably a better approach and, and just being able to double down on those things with people and actually get them implemented effectively Mm, and, and part of the thing, working, you know, I get the chance to, I guess, network and be involved with other organisations uh, and, and things outside of Coombs, but solely I'm working, I'm an employee of AG Coombs. We are mindful as well of like anything that we do within our business, it's because it's genuinely going to add value. It isn't just the latest flavour of the month or it's got a funny looking na- um, sounding name. Like, mm. no, no, we're doing these because they're genuine and actually fit in with the way that we work already. It's not. It's evolution, not revolution. Yeah, no, it's a good again another good point. I've, I've said that a lot at the moment. I think you know people are very um, you know change fatigued and and the like, and they just don't have the bandwidth to to do these big. Okay, we're going to go through a whole another massive exercise and change a whole methodology. It's it's more those tweaks and twists and and just mm. staying focused on the prize. Yep. Uh, um, so, final question: uh, tips for success? You know. I know you've done some great things within Coombs, but if somebody was looking to, you know, implement um, a continuous improvement change culture and, and really drive this sort of performance improvement, business improvement internally in their business, what would be some tips for, for people um, going down that path? Yeah, um, yeah, good one to finish. I knew you are going to ask me this question. I'd, I've been thinking about, you know, what are the, the tips and it's one of those of more straight out probably 100 different things come to mind as well. Um but if I if I really pin it down and that thing of you know, if I go back and talk to myself twenty years ago or if I'm guiding someone else now, of course, um, I think there's that first one of the prioritisation. There is so much but we can have change fatigue. Um, part of this is around the work life balance as well. So just really being ruthless with how you prioritise, which feeds into Pareto analysis and. Um, um, agile, a minimum viable product. A lot of it's in that same bucket of like, let's make sure we're working on the most important things and getting them to, to succeed. Um, so that would be number one. Um, 
The second one would be around the actual change process that you use. And again, I've touched on Agile a little bit today, but um, Agile weaved in with other tools. We've used the eight-week project cycle before. Um, yeah, we, we use a number of different tools that it almost in some ways for me makes it you can't fail because mm. even if you don't quite succeed, well, you've still learned from that and you've maybe failed quicker so you can get on with the, the, the real work or the real solution. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'll put that under the banner of the change process that you use. Uh, and then final one um, I think is from personal experience that's been critical to me is having that uh, mentor or coach or if needed, just even an individual project sponsor, like having that person that's outside the day-to-day of this change that you're working on or these things that you're dealing with, uh, just having someone there to bounce off uh, sounding board has just been critical. Uh, sometimes they can give you a hug or give you a slap, whatever's needed. <laughs> yeah, whatever's needed at the time, yeah. Yeah, but uh, like it's inevitable. You, you're going to hit barriers. You're going to have times where you feel low energy. So if that person's there to maybe just point you back in the right direction or tell you that you've actually got the right answer and then just get on with it, um, yeah, having that coach, mentor, sponsor, uh, um, and I would say that it doesn't matter how experienced you are, it doesn't matter how much success you've had, having that person there to help you is such a critical part. Yeah, no, it's a great point to finish on because actually having that person can inject best practice and just see when you're sort of sometimes caught up in the noise of internals just uh, just so important. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, that, that's great. No, appreciate your time today to, to share that the wealth of insights. I'm sure people will take a lot of um, great thoughts out of this one. So, uh, again, thanks uh, thanks for your time. No, my pleasure. I'm glad we could work out the matching shirts as well. So <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we planned that really well. So, uh, <laughs> not terrific. Thanks again, Quentin. Lovely to chat with you. Thanks, James. Thanks.